from Parts Unknown. This is the TK and J Show. Now, here are your hosts, TK and J. Welcome to the dangerous edition of the TK and Jay show. I am TK. And I'm Jay. Jay, how you feel, buddy? Welcome back. I'm back, uh, sort of. Uh, I think I'll be back a lot more uh, for good after having surgery. Should be should be fine, cleared out. Everything is good. Cobwebs are gone. I'm happy to be back. That's good. I was uh, I was afraid to mention it like on social media or even like if I did a show last week and violated any HIPAA laws, so that's why I didn't really talk about it too Is much. That? I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't even know if that was a thing. I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't, I I didn't mean, want to violate any of those those HIPAA laws. Whatever. <laughs> uh, before we get started, though, I just want to we want to throw out a uh, very very happy Veterans Day to all you veterans out there, um, past and even those who are currently serving. Thank you for all that you do. Um, it's your sacrifice being away from your families, um, you know, a lot of the time that allow knuckleheads like us to do what we do every day. So thank you so much for everything that you do for our country. Being American is the uh, greatest privilege that anybody on this earth can be uh, bestowed. Uh, so I really do appreciate what you do to keep us American and, uh, and, and, and everything that you guys do. I really do. Uh, speaking of veterans, um, one of our greatest veterans, uh, as far as uh, in, in the entertainment world, and he was a World War II veteran, um, the captain of Marvel passed away today, the sergeant of Marvel, Stan Lee. Um, Godspeed, Stan Lee. I, I put it on Facebook. I believe that he inspired and entertained countless generations, and he will continue to, after his death, still inspire and entertain countless generations uh, with his contributions to uh, to our society um, and just the characters that we've come to, to know and love. Stan Lee really brought characters to our, our childhood and our adulthood that really relate. Um, and that's why they're smashing DC right now because his characters are characters that you and I could sit back in. And, and in some cases that could be us. And whereas DC, it's the only man that we could really relate to is Batman. And that's why he's one of the most popular DC characters because and he's, you know, some kooky rich person could be Batman. But, uh, uh, you know, where if, as far as Marvel, if someone figures out a scientific experiment with a human being, one of us could be Captain America. Uh, one of us could be Spider-Man. We're like one step away from that stuff. And he relates it to the real world. So I appreciate all that Stan Lee did because uh, the countless amount of characters and and lines that he brought to us and barriers that he broke just to bring characters to the screen, no matter what the time was. I really appreciate that from Stan Lee, from what he did. I, uh, I completely agree with everything you said, so I think we'll leave it uh, with one of his famous lines. Excelsior, Stan Lee. Excelsior. All right, Jay. Uh, let's move on to something that was uh, a little more uplifting uh, yesterday. You were there, I saw. Jerk. <laughs> Couldn't believe you didn't tell me you were going to the game. I was doing nothing yesterday. Actually, no, I was working. For the last Sunday ever, I was working yesterday. Last Congratulations. Sunday ever. Congratulations. Yep. I've accepted a new position. I'm kind of excited to get started here in a few weeks. 
Um, but anyways, Browns win again. Since we've been on the air, the Browns have won three games this season. It ain't no coincidence. Nope. It, it is not no coincidence that they, they've won since we've got on the air. But that's just because they have the same pep that we do. We have that same freshness that they do. So that's why it is the way it is. You know, I really, really like the way, and I know we didn't talk much about the Chiefs game last week. Um, just a quick thought on that. Um, we just didn't have the horses to compete on the, on the defensive side of the ball against that team last week. We had some of our second and third string guys in the game. But credit to Freddie Kitchens and the Browns offense. The Browns offensively stayed in the game. They just had no answers defensively when all of them, it felt like our entire uh, defensive backfield was out of the game uh, starter-wise. Missing Joe Schobert. Uh, we just didn't have the horses to compete, but credit to the Browns and, and to Greg Williams after a tough week. They hung in that game, and they were within striking distance until the very end. And and with that game, Browns shouldn't be ashamed of themselves. Nothing to hang their head of because there's nine other teams that couldn't hang with Kansas City this year. So, uh, there's some of them that couldn't hang twice. So uh, to, hang, to gauge ourselves against Kansas City would be unfair. Uh, especially because they're a powerhouse. Patrick Mahomes is played playing like no other quarterback has played ever. So for us, with the depleted uh, backfield, we were just you know standing ducks for the for to get shot down, and and basically we couldn't couldn't really compete. And and that's not that to say anything bad about the Browns. It's just to say how dominant Kansas City is. Right. But credit to the Browns for sacking up because last week they couldn't get off the field on third down. It just felt like. Every second and third down, Kansas City was getting chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. And with Atlanta coming in this weekend and that defensive secondary, and even so, you know, Schobert's still not 100% and he was playing yesterday, I was really kind of thinking that this was going to be a shootout type of a game. But I, I would go as far as to say the Browns dominated in all facets of the game yesterday. It was a bend not don't break mentality from what I saw, uh, mostly what the Browns have been all season. Uh, they allowed Matt Ryan to to gain 330 yards on the field, but uh, they did not let him get those touchdowns. Now, uh, thank you, Falcons, for some of your play calling because for any team that throws it four times at the goal line has lost their mind. You have Tevin Coleman right there. You have uh, Jake Matthews, who's a great, great offensive lineman. Why would you just not line up Tevin Coleman right behind him and go right in? But they decided, let's throw the ball four times. And our defense, uh, Jabril Peppers finally playing like a Brown, you know, sacked up and made sure that they couldn't get that ball in the end zone on that de- uh, that goal line stand. That was a game-changing goal line stand. I think after after the Browns stopped them there at, at the half-yard line, uh, I was looking at watching the game at work. I won't, I won't lie. We were slow yesterday. It's Veterans Day. Not only did people thought we were open. So I basically watched the Browns game mostly uninterrupted on my busted iPhone. As you can see, my iPhone's busted and missing pieces, but I still was able to, to watch the game. Um, and I thought that that was a game-changing play. That To me, when the Browns stopped them there on, on fourth and goal right from the half-yard line, like the Browns got this, and they're going to win, and they're going to win in a fashion that doesn't have me white knuckles on the edge of my seat at the end of the game. We're actually going to be able to enjoy a nice, well-earned victory. Some of the things that might have gone unnoticed on TV was uh, uh, where I was at was basically press box level. I mean, I could see, you know, basically the top of the field. And anytime we were in press coverage or man zone, uh, man coverage, uh, the, the the receivers that I had thought at the beginning of the season, Ridley, Julio, Sanu, they struggled because the Browns defensive backs were on top of them. It was, it was like they were wearing Browns jerseys and, uh, 
and but when we went in the zone, that's where we got eaten up. So, but we mostly went in the zone because we just went in the prevent when we were up so much by eighteen in the fourth. It, it, we just went in a zone, and Julio and Sanu were finding those holes and sitting down, and get we were getting picked apart. But I'm telling you, if we were when we were in man, it was impossible for Matt Ryan to get rid of that ball. Right, and I mean the fact that the, they thought that they could exploit the Browns by getting Austin Hooper involved. Austin Hooper had ten catches, but for 54 yards and a touchdown, so he didn't have the impact. The Browns shut him down. He would catch the ball, and bam, he was down. He would catch the ball. No yards after the catch. So the Browns were able to negate that advantage that the Falcons thought they had. You know, one thing that I was, and I'm very tapped in, being 13 years in Georgia, I'm tapped into their scene as well. So this was kind of a two worlds collide for me. Uh, I had thoughts I was going to go to this game forever because it's Atlanta and my wife is from Georgia. So she wanted to see it. Uh, I had a friend come up from Georgia who wanted to see the Falcons play. And I'm thinking, well, I just want to go to Browns game. So uh, listening, being tapped into that world, I listened to their sports talk radio today, and they're ripping them apart. And by the way, we get no respect because we're the Browns. Uh, and they're ripping Atlanta apart for even losing to the Browns. But the, uh, a linebacker on their team came out and said, basically, we looked past the Browns. We literally thought this is the Browns of old. And he came out and said, this is not the Browns of old. He said, we thought, well, we could take this game and we showed up not to play. It was cold. We didn't want to play. And we thought, why are we here in Cleveland playing the Browns? They they thought we were a layup. And it came out and, and when they got punched in the mouth with the Rashard Higgins touchdown from Baker Mayfield, they were kind of like, oh, they are for real. And so now it's time to turn it on. And he said it was too late. By the time we tried to turn it on, it was too late. Right. You know, and that's what I love to hear is that we're not the team that you could come in here and be a layup on anymore. You know, we, we are a dangerous offensive team. We're a dangerous defensive team. And we have the 12th man with the cold. And and that, that was awesome to hear that, the, you know, the Falcons were frustrated because they had no idea what the Cleveland Browns were going to do to them. Well, Dan Quinn even said in the postgame presser yesterday, which I didn't think he would he would say something like this, but it kind of shocked me that he did. And I got to give all the credit in the world to Greg Williams and even offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens. You know, he was saying that the Browns had some looks yesterday that they hadn't seen on tape, that they hadn't been prepared for. And credit to Kitchens for kind of taking a step back and saying, yeah, we're going to run a little bit of what Todd Haley was running, but I'm going to sit with my quarterback and we're going to figure out what does this kid do well? What are his thoughts on the game plan? And how can we make this to where we can get everybody involved and not have to rely on one guy or another? Um, The wishbone set, even though it turned into an interception, I'm okay with it because it's something, it's another wrinkle that you can bring back later in the season. And if you can put a couple of wins together, you can kind of climb back into the race. I don't want to say the word, the, the P race, um, but, you know, just another wrinkle for teams to think about. And, you know, it's not, the Browns aren't a walkover anymore. And uh, credit to Freddie Kitchens and Greg Williams for finally saying, you know what, enough is enough. There's no more tension in this building. And what we're going to do is we're going to do things that uh, set our team up to be successful. doesn't matter if it's something that, you know, that he might not like to run, Greg Williams, but if it's going to make the team successful, he's all about it. I like the way he's handled everything since taking over as coach. I'm not saying I want him to be the next coach, but for this transition period, I think they have the perfect guy in place. I think what what we're seeing is we're we're having fun, and that wishbone look was fun. That that was total fun yesterday, but what I'm also noticing, the mentality is finally where it's supposed to be, and plug your ears, uh, Ohio State fans, you know, the Browns are starting to understand the mentality of what Michigan understands. Run the ball first, 
past second. And with a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, um, it, it's a it's a winning formula. It's exactly what uh, Michigan is doing right now is the exact same thing that the Browns should be doing. You have a power back in, in uh, I almost said Carlos Hyde, shame on me, um, Nick Chubb, who is amazing, by the way, and I, and I knew he was going to be, um, again, being tapped into the Georgia thing. Uh, they're running first with him, and they're 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 coming out of the backfield with Duke Johnson. That's what they're looking to do. Those are the options first, and then Baker Mayfield hit a slant, hit your hit your third option, do something like that. And that's why we're starting to have fun. That's why we're starting to gel because as soon as you think, oh well, Nick Chubb's been gashing us for three to four yards, staying ahead of the chains, we need to we need to creep somebody up. All of a sudden, there's a tight end or Duke Johnson running right behind your linebacker, 30, 40 yards right, right there. So. And they're having fun. He had 17 completions yesterday, Baker Mayfield. He was 17 and 20 for 216 and three touchdowns. He completed a pass to 10 different receivers yesterday. No one had more than 39 <laughs> yards receiving. So when you're distributing the ball and have guys that can make plays almost in any given spot on the field, it makes you tough to beat. And then when you have, you know, your running back ripping off 92-yard touchdown runs, which are the longest in the history of the franchise, it makes it tough to defend. The Browns are no longer a one-dimensional horse where, you know, you had last year they would, you know, be pass-heavy for whatever reason. Um, or if Crow was having a good game, they go to Crow. They can go to Chubb. They can do a slant. They can go to Duke. They can go to Jarvis. They can go to Ninjoku. There are so many different players that can make plays for this team right now that, you know, defenses are having a tough time kind of keying in on, on one guy. Or If you take one thing away, the Browns have another way to beat you. And since 1999, I don't think we've had had uh, the, the ability to be able to say that we can do that. Man, at one point, uh, which might have been lost on TV at, as well, Baker Mayfield was 11 for 11 with 110 yards. They were talking about that. Yeah, yep. he was. Mm-hmm. He was. He had a perfect passer rating. He was. He was nailing his spots, and that Rashad Higgins pass was was it that was, was beautiful. beautiful. I mean, it it set up so well, and the kid's got an arm because it, it was it was like a he was rolling to his right and it, threw it about 35 yeah, yards. It was, it, was, it was a long one. It was about 30 40 yards that he threw it running. Where it looked like it was a surefire sack to all of a sudden Rashad Higgins was had the I mean wide open field in front of him that all Baker Mayfield had to do was throw it to the space and say Rashad get under it right and it was it was it was an awesome awesome play did you you were there so you saw this and I saw it on TV the pass he threw to Ninjoku is Ninjoku's only catch but he put it in a spot where the defender was all over Ninjoku and he put it in a spot he threw Ninjoku open yesterday and it was beautiful to see there was a lot of comments around us that Najoku um finally caught a ball <laughs> it was it was it was it was awesome because it was it looked like it was a surefire pass break breakup and then all of a sudden Najoku comes up with the ball and we're we're shocked I mean it, it was every five ten seconds which you, you you don't expect from the Browns that it was every every play was almost a first down and if it wasn't a first down it was second and two like or it was second and three it wasn't uh you know there wasn't very much situations where we were way behind the chains at all and i and it was awesome to see i I, every five minutes it was here we go brownies here we go first down it was that's how it was the offense was just just steamrolling it didn't it just didn't look like a normal what we've come accustomed to as far as the browns it just didn't feel that way right i was telling my friend that because he was looking at he was like i really expected to come in here and be freezing cold and the Falcons to be pretty much dominating. And and he was like, I'm absolutely shocked for what I'm seeing right now. He was like, You if if you closed your eyes, opened them again, didn't know the records, and didn't know who played on the teams, you would honestly think that the Browns were 
the perennial better team than Atlanta Falcons were. Right. And, you know, I think uh, First Energy Stadium is starting to feel like a real home for the Browns again. I think that play, that play sounded like it was rocking yesterday. The Browns are 3-2-1 and one at home this year. Uh, they got two home games left. If they win one more home game because of the tie, they'll finish with a winning record at home, which is huge because you have to be able to win in your own place. Yeah, we'll talk about road games in a second, but I really feel like that this this city and these fans, you have a reason to stay all four quarters now. You have a reason to go to the game. This team is competitive, and when this team is good, that place is going to be rocking, and it is going to be like the 12th man out in Seattle. That place will get loud. For for me, it was a lot of firsts. It was actually my first Browns game after September. I had never gone to a Browns game after September for obvious reasons. Right. I mean, they're, the product on the field isn't worth me losing my toes over. There was also another first. It had been the first game I had ever been to where the Browns were ahead. Uh, ever. Like, I had never been to a Browns game where they scored first uh, and then were ahead. Now, we lost the lead, and we got it right back. Then, it was also my first Browns win in person ever. I had never seen a Browns win in person ever. So, it, it was it was a great experience to go yesterday. I'm so excited that I actually went and got to see it because I would have been kicking myself if I would have missed two wins this season. I, I just wouldn't have been able to put up with myself. Wait, so how many games have you gone to in the, re- in the recent years before September? How many games? Um, so before I actually came back, I had went to a couple in the old stadium. Okay. Um, this time I've been back to five games. And they've lost all five? They lost all five. You're the reason why they suck. Uh, it ain't me. <laughs> it definitely ain't me because if, if I could play quarterback, I know I could, I know I could play better than Deshaun Kaiser did. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Um, I think yesterday, too, the Browns proved that they can win without big games from receivers. They could win with their running game. They didn't, you didn't need a big game from Ninjoku. You didn't need a big game from Callaway. You didn't need a big game from Landry. Uh, they were able to. It was a complete team win. They did it on the ground. They did it in the air when they needed to. Special teams was on par for once. Defense was on par. Uh, like you said, bend and don't break. Um, I'm going to say it, and you might want to stop what you're doing out there. And uh, TK and Jay Land, listen. Yesterday, I truly believe this. This was a franchise-changing win. Yeah, you know what? I can't disagree with that. I, I but I already thought we had the franchise-changing win with the with the Jets. I thought that we are we've been a different team all seasons. This is not this is not your dad's Browns. This is not even our childhood Browns. This is a new generation right now. These rookies have come in and said we're putting this team on our back and we're refusing to lay down. We may lose some games, but we're not laying down to lose these games. We're not coming out here uh, looking terrible. And since Greg Williams is takeover, and I still don't have, he still doesn't have my vote as new head coach. But since Hugh Jackson left, we're only averaging four penalties a game. That's why you know that's another reason why I was saying it's franchise changing because now you've gotten all of that negative culture it's, with Hugh Jackson leaving. Right. That head's been cut off. That snake. That the negativity train is now gone. He's out making a fool of himself in the national media. Thank God, you jackass! I'm glad you're not here, because quite honestly, they are a decent head coach away from being seven and three. Sure, absolutely, and and I don't think Greg Williams is the dude. No, uh, but uh, 
what I am seeing on the field is I'm not seeing Browns where we the normal typical Browns where we have a huge play and we shoot ourselves in the foot in that same play. Right. That didn't happen yesterday. We had a couple bonehead false star penalties on the goal line, but they didn't matter. Right. It's half the distance to the goal. At the half yard line. Yeah, yeah. it didn't matter. Right. And I'll, I'll take those boneheaded penalties right there because they just want to make sure they protect the quarterback. I'm totally fine with that. Right. That mentality to me means we don't want to get a safety. So false start all you want to so that you can keep those guys off of you. And what ended up happening is we ended up getting off that goal line with a 20-yard pass. So, hey, false start all you want to. I, I'm cool with that. Right. I mean, the reason I say, you know, um, uh, franchise changing, four-game losing streak, not looking too good in two out of those four games, getting blown up by the Chargers and Steelers respectively, losing your head coach, yeah, you play tough against a Chiefs team, but you have lost four in a row. You had every opportunity to just say, you know what, we're going to pack it up, give in, we'll figure this out next year. But credit to Greg Williams, he's going to make it hard on John Dorsey to say, hey, you know what, maybe maybe we don't need to go in a different direction. And that's a credit to him yeah. because he's fighting for his job. Freddie Kitchen's fighting for an opportunity to stay here. Um, so that's why I think it's franchise changing, only because if we don't stick with Greg Williams, I would look back at that game yesterday and say, that's the reason why this turned around and why we've catapulted, hopefully next year, into a contender. Well, you know, I feel like we're going to get a contender coach. and You, you heard it first from me. I, I know that the Ravens are going to separate with John Harbaugh. He's coming to Cleveland. You want now? That's a great. That's a great thing. I was also I had it in my notes for a later segment, but I'll just go ahead and throw it out here now. Um, where was it? I something I was going to pick your brain off. Let's say Michigan does well and gets in the playoff. They get to the national championship game, whether they win or not. That's that's one thing. Is that enough to get Jim Harbaugh back into the NFL, or do you think he's content where he's at right now? I think he's got to. This is what I'll tell you. My opinion is you've got to be content where you are. He's only been at Michigan for four years. He is His team is just now, the fruits of his labor are just now showing in this season. And they're showing very well. He recruited well. He's got a, 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 a steamrolling team in Michigan right now. You you can't give that up. I, you know, but that's... For a job like the Browns, that's one of the most... That it could be the best looking... As long as... The Browns' job is the best job if... Mike McCarthy doesn't leave the Packers. If you have Aaron Rodgers sitting out there, that's a very good opportunity. But the Browns job could be the hottest job in football next year. Wouldn't you want to throw your hat in the ring no matter who you are or where you're at? You know, I, I maybe, but I feel like J- Jim has found his niche at Michigan. I, I think that it's, it's sexy because the Browns literally stack up the same as Michigan does. I mean, powerhouse defense, the potential to be a powerhouse defense with the Browns, They've got a decent, stout running back, and they got a guy that's similar to Shea Patterson and Baker Mayfield who can move the pocket, move out of the pocket, and make create plays. So if, if Pep Hamilton comes with Jim Harbaugh, I think you would have a different Browns team. I really do. But at the end of the day, you've got, you're on year four. You're on the cusp of possibly going to the playoffs. I think you would have unfinished business because I guarantee Michigan is going to have unfinished business, whether whether they take the L and against Ohio State and don't go to the championship game, or they go to the national the, the playoffs and take the L to Alabama. There's going to be unfinished business. I I promise you. But it, Michigan is looking way too good right now for me to think that Jim Harbaugh would literally walk away from them like that. 
Fair enough, and I think you, you can't go wrong with either one of the Harbaugh brothers. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, you know, the head, I don't want to really talk head coach right now because it, I think it's still too early. Only, and I say this only because I need to see what Greg Williams does because if he comes out and this team continues to win, I have to entertain the possibility that he sticks up, that he stays on. Um, so I, I want to save the head coaching carousel debate or talk, you know, for a few more weeks and see how how this team does. Um, I would say let's preview next week's game, but I think our Browns have earned a well-deserved rest. Yeah, they, there's no game. Uh, you know, normally the jokes would come out where the bye week is, uh, you know, favored, you know. <laughs> by two touchdowns by two over the touchdowns Browns. over the Browns. Right. But uh, there's no joking with this team anymore. We are an NFL-caliber football team, finally. And Baker Mayfield, if you guys haven't been sold on him, which I see people out there in the Twitterverse that aren't sold on this guy yet, whatever it is that you, whatever it is that you're smoking – Please call my agent and let me know so that we can get in touch so that we can hook it up because I, I don't know what you guys are seeing. This this dude is for real, and he's been for real since he stepped on the field against the Jets. So for people that I've heard calling in to many of our to sports talk radio stations and saying that Baker Mayfield's the issue, you, you're out of your mind. Like This guy is for real, and the Browns are for real. Nick Chubb is for real. Denzel Ward is for real. There's a lot of guys on our team that deserve to be in the NFL where in years before, there was no reason some of these guys should have been playing in the NFL. That's not our team right now. We've got definitely NFL caliber players that just need a little bit more on the teaching and coaching side to become that team that's going to be dangerous. And you've got a quarterback in Baker Mayfield. There's six games left. He's a shade under 2,000 yards passing. You can make a legitimate claim that he could finish with 1,500 yards or 3,500 yards passing for the season, which would be amazing for a rookie with more touchdowns and interceptions if things continue to go how they are. Chubb had 16 carries for the through the first six games, and he's already knocking. He already has 600 yards rushing. He averages 70 a game over the next six. He has a thousand yard back with only 16 carries through six games. That's that is some legitimate star power. Those are some legitimate numbers that people just can't hang their heads on anymore. This this is turning into a a good football team, and it's nice to see them grow up right in front of our eyes right now. I promise you, Nick Chubb next year is going to have a thousand yards. He is a bigger, faster, more elusive Mark Ingram. That's who he is. And UGA running backs are all over the NFL right now, and they're doing amazing. I mean, Sony Michelle has the potential when he comes back from the injuries to be amazing. You are, I don't have to speak for Gurley. Everybody knows that dude is a, a perennial uh, pro bowler. Nick Chubb will be in the pro bowl next year. I, I promise you this. Until he doesn't score a touchdown or rush for 100 yards, Todd Gurley's in my – every one of my – I build my DraftKings uh, lineups around Todd Gurley because I know he's good for 25, 30 points every time. Right. It's worth that to me. Um, but anyways, uh, Browns win. It's a great weekend. Uh, don't forget also, you guys can hit us up on the emails. We'd still love to be able to hear some emails from you. TK and J Show at Yahoo.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at J-A-E underscore TK. We're on the Anchor app as well. You can leave us a voicemail. And we're all over Apple and Google Podcasts. So don't forget to check us out there. All right, let's talk. Uh, we're just a little bit past the uh, midway point of the NFL season, so I'd like to kind of talk um, about NFL contenders versus the NFL pretenders, teams that might be right on the cusp of a playoff spot or even currently holding a playoff spot. Um, but will they be there at the end of the year? Uh, so we'll start in the AFC because, you know, we've got our uh, AFC uh, our AFC uh, Browns here, so we're an AFC uh, 
based show, I would say. I, I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, AFC North, you've got your current division leader as the Steelers. I don't see that changing for the rest of the year. I think the Steelers have hit their stride as much as I hate to say it, but I don't see the Bengals challenging. I don't see the Ravens challenging, and I just don't think the Browns have enough games left to challenge. Yeah, if we had a little bit more time in the season, I think that we could steal a second-place spot, uh, but I, I don't think we have enough, and I, I can't say enough about James Conner. Uh, Le'Veon Bell is, is right in his mind to not report because he shouldn't play if he reports with the way James Conner is playing. No. So There's no need. I mean, I wouldn't play him. I would sit him on the bench in case something happened to Conner because that's one heck of a backup, but um, you know, I don't think he'd be welcome in that locker room right now anyway, so... Um, in the AFC South, they got the Texans started 0-3. They're on a six-game winning streak right now. Um, every team behind them is under 500. You've got uh, you've got the well, I'm sorry, the Titans are five and four. They're a game behind. You've got um, Indianapolis surprising people at four and five. Andrew Luck is just gone insane. And then who's the bottom feeder of that division right now? Jacksonville is just disappointing. Which is crazy. Six. Which is crazy. From one year to the next, they they look they look lost as far as an NFL football team. But uh, I, I think, you know, Houston's going to get in because they're the division leader, but I think they're they're still – it's a pretender division. I, I Whoever gets in there is going to get boat raced. Uh, I, I don't trust Houston, and I surely don't trust um, uh, Tennessee. I really don't. Just because they beat the Patriots, they got I, – I, I, they, I won't say they got lucky because they played. They outplayed the Patriots. They outcoached – and I'll say it. They got outcoached yesterday. Mike Rabel, bravo, man. But uh, – they they will definitely get housed when when they show up in the playoffs. I think Tennessee's hot right now. I don't think what they're doing is going to be sustainable or sustained uh, through the last you know month and a half, uh, two months of the season. Um, I, yeah, I would agree. I think that you know Houston's going to get back to the playoffs. Uh, but I'll be curious to see what Deshaun Watson can do once he does get into the playoffs because um, I think he's starting to hit his stride now. I think he's finally fully back. Starting to trust that knee, starting to trust himself more uh-huh. uh, with his athletic ability playing. You can kind of see it with the numbers, um, but it's just going to depend on the uh, on the health of those wide receivers because those wide receivers are key to Deshaun Watson's success. Yeah, that's what that's what I kind of was thinking in my head too. Is I just don't trust their horses right now. I trust Deshaun, but I just don't trust the rest of their horses. JJ uh, Watts, uh, you know, he's he's still a threat, but you know he. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's injured or he's still kind of, you know, uh, you know, going slow and things like that. I, I just I just worry about their offense. I don't think they have the depth to compete with some of the other teams in the AFC that are coming out of there because there's a lot of good teams coming into these playoffs. Right. Um, AFC West, um, even though, you know, the Chargers have won uh, six in a row uh, and they sit at seven and two. Um, I just don't think they catch Kansas City, even though you know they're only technically a game behind. Um, but right now, Kansas City has a tiebreaker, and I don't see the Chargers beating the Chiefs. Um, but I, I see the Chiefs as the class of that division. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is on fire. That team's on fire. Too many weapons, too many horses, um, too much horsepower. So I think that the Chiefs are going to be your AFC West champions as well. But I don't think that the Chargers coming in as a wild card are pretenders this year. I think that when they get in the wild card game, whoever they got to face out with, I think if they got a face, uh, well, who would be in the wild card there? I'm thinking at Chargers at seven and two. That would probably put, that would probably put the. Uh, they would probably play the Texans. The Texans will probably end up being the three seed. 
but so they get but they all get automatic bids if you're the division champion so it's your second place right yeah so, so right now the wild probably be the titans so well no right now your wild cards are the chargers and the Bengals. as of right now if the playoffs started today the chargers and Bengals. that's are right I, I forget about the Bengals, and the Bengals will get housed too so well the, i mean the Bengals are not going to the playoffs yeah. either so so i i don't think the chargers are pretenders this year i, I actually think they're actually going to contend uh, and I think they got the, they're on the side with the AFC uh, North. So that means they would um, take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they have a good chance against them. Well, the Steelers have a chance to get that buy. And you're looking at the, the Steelers and the Chiefs getting first round buys. So you could see them either play the Patriots or the Texans. And right now, I would favor the Chargers in either one of those games. I'm going to say that the Patriots are going to beat out the, uh, uh, pay, uh, the Steelers by the end of the season, though. I, I really feel that. I mean, they're only one loss away. And I feel like the Pats are a better team. And uh, I really do think that – and I lost my train of thought because someone's getting body slammed upstairs. No, but, no. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously, uh, the, the Patriots will be will be the team that gets a bye over Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I just don't think that the, the Steelers are on that much of a stride where you, you could go against Belichick and Tom Brady. Fair enough, um, but right now that you know the Patriots are going to win the AFC East. I don't see anybody challenging them there. You've got uh, never do no. I mean, you've got Miami at five and five, and they're the closest ones. They've got a, you know a two game lead on the Dolphins. Buffalo's three and seven. They housed the Jets yesterday. Thanks, Jets. I picked your defense yesterday because Matt freaking Barkley was starting. Dude, Matt minus Fre- three points. That just Matt kills Barkley. you, Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley, where did you come from? Like, I, I'm. I swear. You know when people, when the quarter these quarterbacks come off the bench, and I'm thinking, man, you're still in the league, right? And then all of a sudden you blow up the whole entire thing, and I'm thinking, wh- wh- I mean, why they are you not starting anywhere? Ran the Jets off the field yesterday. That wasn't even a game. I'm, and I'm sitting there like looking at my DraftKings. I'm trying to get like a bargain for on defense, you know, save a couple hundred bucks on my little. Uh, do you know how DraftKings works? Oh, absolutely. So I'm trying to think, what's the best matchup for best bang for my buck? I'm like, I'm looking at, I'm like. Jets are going to dominate Buffalo. This is a for sure. They'll get at least 10, 15 points. I'm going to feel pretty good about myself. No, of course the Bears were the best play yesterday, um, but they were more than what I wanted to spend. But uh, my, thanks my, for showing up. My thought for you is keep in mind, if you're going to be picking defenses, find the team that's playing Arizona. Well, uh, the Chiefs yesterday, yeah. F- find the team that's playing Arizona, and you guys there out in the, in the universe, find the team that's playing Arizona. You'll win your defense every week. So, looking at uh, – that's a good point. Damn it, I'm going to do that next time. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm one of the reasons why I'm doing this segment is because of what I'm about to say next. And I know that it's a 10 miles away from happening, um, 10 miles walking or crawling. Um, but in the hunt for the, for the last playoff spot, because the Bengals are 5-4, and four, I see the Chargers. To me, the five playoff spots in the AFC are already spoken for. The four division champions we talked about, I don't see those changing. And then the Chargers being a wild card. So to me, there's one spot left in the AFC up for grabs, truly. I don't see anyone touching the, any of those teams. And you've got, in the hunt, you have the Titans, who are 5-4. Five and four. You have the Dolphins, who are 5-5. Five and five. The Ravens are 4-5. and five. The Colts are 4-5. and five. But then on ESPN.com, and when's the last time you've been able to say this after 10 weeks, your Cleveland Browns are in the hunt at 3-6-1. Now I know it's 10 miles away from happening and a lot has to happen for us but the fact that they're in a graphic like that this late in the season just shows how far that this team has come well if they went out they they have a good chance um to to do that but uh 
you know, I, I feel bad because it's just it's just dangling the carrot in front of us. Uh, if anybody's going to contend for it, it's the teams like the, the Titans and, you know, the Colts and, and things like that. They may sneak in there somewhere. I just wish we had that one more game under our belt because we could really, really talk about this because I feel like the Tampa Bay game just killed us. Yeah, I feel like we're just a better we're a better team than some of these teams that are in there. Like I really feel like the Titans are are really pretenders. I really just don't like them as a team. They're just too young. They're too disorganized. They got a fresh coach in there. It's just they're 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 hitting the right pockets at right times, getting lucky. And again, I hate using the word lucky because they did put it to the Patriots, but that doesn't happen that often. It really no. doesn't. And if we had one or two more wins in there, we could really discuss that, you know what, the Browns got a shot. And the frustrating part about all that, too, is, you know, we talked about, you know, uh, Canton Zero hitting that field goal in overtime, which yeah. was a mile away. And guess who just got cut today? Chandler freaking Canton Zero. You're on the jackass list. I think I've already put him there, but he's there. You know what? For him, for him, I still say bravo to him for hitting that kit, that field goal. Not because of the distance, it's because it cost Hugh Jackson his job, and I'm okay with that. We needed to get rid of Hugh Jackson, and if we we win in Tampa, we win in Tampa, we stay close in Pittsburgh. Hugh Jackson's still here to this day. Yeah, that's a good point, and I I, I enjoy seeing uh, Hugh Jackson in his uh, Yankees hoodie eating out with uh, the past Mike Silver anyway. That's fine. And have all the pizza and sangria that you want. Just stay away from my football team. Um, so who do you think is going to get that last that last playoff spot? Because, you I mean, there's really no one else is really even close to a spot. Denver's not going to make a run. Oakland's out of it. Jacksonville's done. There's no way Jacksonville's coming back. Um, I would have to say, looking at this now, um, my my pick, if they continue to play like they are, um, as much as I hate to say it because I want to see the Browns win, but I really I could see Indianapolis sneaking that last playoff spot with the way Luck's playing right now. He is literally carrying that team, and him and Eric Ebron are just on a different level right now. Okay. Um, what are my other options other than Indiana? Then? You've uh, got, I mean, for looking at the standings now and being in the hunt, you have the Titans, the Dolphins who are trotting out uh, – Brock Osweiler. So that's those two no's already. You've got the Ravens who have a lot of a lot. They're in a, they're in a state of flux. You got Ozzy transitioning out. Joe Flacco's got a bad hip. He's not playing very well. John Harbaugh's on his way out as well. I don't. I see them. I see them folding as opposed to sacking up and playing better. And then the Browns at three six and one. Yeah, you you pretty much left with no more option than than really yeah. Indianapolis in the way they're playing right now. I mean, you, um, you could see an 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine team get in the playoffs this year as that wild card. Absolutely. Uh, the, Which favors the Browns having a chance to come back and get in this thing. As much as I hate to say that, but, you know, 7-8-1 and one could get you in the playoffs. We, yeah, we would have to win out for sure. And I just don't see that we're win, win, winning out just yet. But uh, I would love to have that, uh, be, that be an option. But right now... Uh, especially after Sunday, uh, you got to go with the Colts. You really do. Uh, then for them, they are playing with their hair on fire. Ebron looks great. Uh, Luck looks great. I, I think you got to you got to stick stick your horse with them. I agree with that. So let's move on to the NFC North, and you can almost make uh, the argument that a lot of the seeds in the NFC are uh, pretty much uh, set in stone. You've got the Bears currently winning the NFC North. That might be the only one where I might say Minnesota's got a shot to overtake them. Bears are 6-3, and three, stout on defense, 4-1 and one at home. New Orleans 
eight and one. There's no way Carolina's catching them. Atlanta's certainly not going to catch them now either. Um, so I think uh, New Orleans is going to be your champion of the South. Um, no one's catching the Rams. They've got a four and a half game lead with six six to go. Um, and who else? Who did I miss? Washington. Washington six and three, and no one else in that division's over five hundred. You know what though? I would watch out for the Cowboys. Really? I would really watch out for the Cowboys. They're starting to play, starting to play, and with Amari Cooper, with the addition of Amari Cooper, that might have been something to get them going. And uh, you know, Dak Prescott seems to be to to be turning it around. Zeke last night looking like Zeke always has. So look for them to uh, to sneak something. You will be watching on Sunday Night Football. There's going to be an end-of-the-season matchup between the Redskins and, and Dallas, as it always is, and that's going to be for the division right there. That's fair. So you think that uh, it, could, it could be a toss-up between Washington and Dallas. Do you think Minnesota catches Chicago? They're a game behind. They're 5-3-1, and one, Chicago 6-3. and three. Kirk Cousins is a 500 football player, so no, I, I don't see it. Until he proves it to you on a big, bigger stage. Until he proves it to me. Yeah, I don't see him catching it. I can't believe the Chicago Bears are at top. That, that's one of the quick turnarounds, especially – with a second-year quarterback, I'm, I'm proud of Mitch Trubisky. But. They scored 269 points and given up 175. They got a plus 94 differential in points. It's one of the best in the league. They already had they already had one of the best uh, best defenses in football coming out of last year. They just didn't have the offense, and now they have both. And then they had added Khalil Mack, which put their defense over the top. So this is why they are where where they are. And I just can't see the Vikings catching because Kirk Cousins just doesn't play over 500 football and i don't understand why but he just does it so i they're not going to catch him fair enough so until the vikings uh until kirk cousins is above 500 I, and i'd have to agree with that um until he can prove he can win on the big stage i'd have to say that that division's uh chicago's for the taking so right now if the playoffs started today you'd have the panthers and vikings as your five and six seeds going into the playoffs in the hunt you have four four and one green bay who seems to be just hanging on by a thread Four and five Dallas, four and five Philly, four and five Seattle, and four and five Falcons. Yeah, Philly's the one that surprises me more than anything because I just didn't think they would have a drop off, and I guess Jay Jai meant more to that team than I thought that he would. But uh, I'm really surprised at them. But my 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 wagons with the Dallas Cowboys because they have the potential to turn this this thing around with the addition of Mari Cooper. They got Alan Hearns on the outside, and 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 they got Dak Prescott. I just uh, Dak Dak not Dak Prescott. I meant to say Ezekiel Elliott. Those are those are some horses right there that will get it done. And as long as Jason Garrett can figure out his offense, they will steamroll and come back on Washington Redskins. So you think that. Um... That Dallas is going to come back and take that division, but Washington will get that last playoff spot then? Yeah, I, I feel like that, uh, you know, Washington is a good team right now. I'm surprised I'm saying that too. But uh, I feel like the Dallas Cowboys could come back and take that division and uh, push Washington either to the wild court or out of the playoffs. Uh, to me, I think the Packers are going to get that last spot. Um, I say that because they have the best quarterback of any of those teams, Aaron Rodgers. Um, his weapons are starting to get healthy and credit to Mike Patton. He's finding ways to put that defense in better positions to uh, play better and win football games. I mean, granted you held, you know, the lowly Miami Dolphins with Brock Osweiler 12 points. Um, but Miami's no, no slouch on offense. They do have some, some players that, that can make plays. Um, so I think if the Packers can hit their stride at the right time, 
they could definitely uh, make a run at that last playoff spot. And if they get in, they're dangerous because if you've got Aaron Rodgers, you can beat anybody. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule right now. And they, they, they will go up against some of these teams that we're talking about that are in the hunt, such as the Seahawks, so they can knock them down. They Their schedule, it does favor the fact that they could get there. The only fact is is that they're going to have the Bears on their schedule, which could hurt them. Uh, good team, but that will show. That's going to probably show that either the Packers are here to stay or they're gone at that point. Well, the Packers are in the Bears' heads ever since opening night. Sure. Rodgers came back. High off his mind on pain meds and, and beat and beat. Let's call it what it was. You saw the post game press conference. That guy was on something that made him feel good. Just because he he's just he's always had the droopy eyes though. So yeah. you, how can you tell? Like, well, I mean, he is he's a state farm guy though. So I don't know how much we can trust him. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Welcome to the ship. Those commercials are pretty funny though. All right, so uh let's uh let's move on so those are our, our pretenders and our contenders what do you guys think who is uh who's gonna make the cut for the nfl postseason are we crazy to think that the browns still have a slight chance at this let us know i know there are some people out there who are going to chide me when they hear this for saying that the browns still have a chance but if they played like they did yesterday i, I firmly believe that they can make a run at it are they going to get in i doubt it but the fact that they're going to keep me watching for 17 weeks, because we're 17 weeks in the season with the bye, um, is a stark difference from last year. Because ask anybody, I really only paid attention to the last game of the year when we were playing against Pittsburgh second and third stringers, hoping we'd eke out a victory. Yeah, and this again, I'll, I'll say right now, we're still pretenders. In the hunt is fine, but we're still pretenders. What I will say is we are an NFL caliber team, and I like that about us this year. We're not a joke. And the Falcons found out the hard way yesterday. Right. All right. All right, Jay, my man, let's talk some college football because I put out a pretty controversial Facebook posting over the weekend that uh, got me some text messages, got me some, some uh, text messages, some feedback. Yeah, I, I won't mention any names today because I don't want to uh, upset anybody, but I'm just going to go ahead and read it verbatim for everybody here. And I'm going to explain it a little more because this is my show and I got a platform to do it. Our show. Not my show. Our show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say what you said. Yes, my, my bad. My bad. I'll go sit in the timeout box with the WWE Championship and you can do the rest of the show by yourself. <laughs> this is going to be a wildly unpopular take among some of my friends. And maybe this is Jay rubbing off on me. But I don't want to see Ohio State in the top four this year. They're not a top four team. They would get crushed by Alabama or Clemson, and I'll even take it as far as to say Notre Dame. I truly want to see what Michigan can do. As a football fan, they're better, and I think they would put up a better fight. And Blake Tackala, Adam Vino, and Jay Vino probably just hit the floor in disbelief reading this, unquote. So it came up as my notification, and I said, oh, what kind of crap has Terry <laughs> tagged me in now? Because I knew it was – whenever you tag me on something, you know whatever's about to happen is about to be a debate. Right. So when I opened it up and I read that, I was kind of like – He's screwing with me, isn't he? I, I kind of just sat there, and I stared at it blankly, and I didn't even know what to say. Then I made sure to put a disclaimer on there because it's not necessarily – it's not necessarily my words to where you said you don't want to you don't want to see Ohio State there. I think that's where people lost their minds. It, most of that is true. For me, Ohio State is not a a a college playoff football team this year. And and anybody could be mad at me for saying that, but you guys the proof is in the pudding. You're you're barely beating teams like Nebraska who lost to Akron. You you got boat raced by Purdue who 
is under 500 right now, and uh, there was one other team that uh, that Michigan essentially shut out, and you won by seven. So well, not to mention the TCU game that we had to come back in, and TCU has won three games or four games all year long. Right, they're and, struggling to be bowl eligible. Oh, well, I just, it came to my mind, Penn State. I mean, you guys beat them by one, and Michigan beat them by 42. So essentially, the the it has switched. And I think what got people's goat was the fact that you said you didn't want to see Ohio State there, and they're thinking as a fan, you you want Michigan there, uh, you as a fan instead of Ohio State. And I don't think they understood what you meant. I think what they what what you were saying was is that Michigan's been the better team and they deserve that right. In my opinion, I agree with you. What it, what happens is is what your friend Justin said, and I agree with him. We got to see what happens on the field on November twenty fourth. If Ohio State beats Michigan that day, they they deserve the spot in the college football playoff. Because I no, because you're gonna go and beat a garbage Northwestern team in the Big Ten championship game. Even then, I still wouldn't put Ohio State in. I would put a one loss Oklahoma team in over Ohio State. I would put a, a two loss LSU team in over Ohio. Can't trust State. A, you can't trust you can't trust uh, Oklahoma's defense. You can't. Defense yeah, is terrible. But they're still a better team than we are. They still put up more points than we are. They're still more consistent than we are. And I realize wanting to see Michigan in the playoff means Ohio State loses that game. And quite honestly, I'm okay with that. Um, Buckeyes have been very average this season, I believe, by Ohio State standards. They're not blowing anybody out. They're not winning very fashionably. They don't have a running game. Defense has been suspect in some games. The win over TCU means nothing because they're garbage. You can't lose to Purdue by 29 and expect to get into the playoff. If they were to go in, they would have the worst resume of any top four team in the history of the playoff, even going back to the BCS. And even even some of the times that they backed their way in, I, they, I think that this team, it's a, it's a worse fit. Michigan's got a stout offense. They've got a stout defense. They're hitting their strides at the right time. Granted, yeah, I'm an Ohio State fan, but I don't bleed it like I used to. I think as I've gotten older, I've married into a Michigan family. I'm kind of kind of seeing things a little bit more differently now. I can't wear my rose-colored glasses up to Michigan and come home alive. Um, and I've kind of been able to kind of see things from different perspectives, and a lot of my friends are Michigan fans. So is it rubbing off on me a little bit? Yeah, I'm a Michigan fan. No, but I'm willing to be able to take those glasses off and say, hey, you know what? Yeah, Michigan's having the better season, and I want to see them. I think that they are a better matchup. Although they need to get that three seed, if they get that four seed and they're going up against Bama, that might be a tough day. I'd rather see them in the national championship against Bama. I think that's a, you want. A, you want to know the the, sta- the staggering fact though. Out of all the college football, if the season was to end right now, they put out Vegas put out the spreads for against Bama. If the season was to end right now, and they they took each college football team and put them as a four seed, what the game would be against Clemson. Clemson was plus 25. Against Michigan, they're plus 14. Against Notre Dame was plus 39. Alabama would destroy Notre Dame. So Michigan versus versus Michigan uh, Michigan versus Alabama might be the best game in the college football playoff. Well, wouldn't you want to see happens. that game, isn't it, for the national championship, though? If I that's would. the best game, I that should be the national championship. So if I'm Michigan, I'm doing everything I can we to can't, get to that three seed. We, we can't. You've got to hope Notre Dame loses you, to get there. You do have to hope Notre Dame loses at that point. You, we, but we, we can't at this point. They're, Notre Dame has nobody else on their schedule. It's over. And even if Notre Dame were to lose, would the committee still drop them below Michigan because they beat Michigan? I think you'd have to because they lost this late. They late. They lost so late. They've done season. it before. Uh, they 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 did it with Penn State, where Penn State basically almost got the nod to the college football playoff because 
they lost early and were were hit late and uh and everybody right now has pretty much taken the Notre Dame loss from Michigan and said it's almost like they're undefeated because you know they lost to an undefeated Notre Dame by seven and they didn't lose bad and if you take these teams and replay that game right now people think that Michigan would beat Notre Dame they really do. I would agree a lot with of that. people think that right now that Michigan is the better team. It's just that they met at the right time for Notre Dame. And I think that got Notre Dame season jump started by beating Michigan, where their team had got a, a, a crap ton of confidence from beating Michigan, which me sitting there watching that, I said, man, it's going to be a rough season. It's going to be a rough season. Boy, was I wrong. And I'm happy to be wrong, but I'm with you. I, I've taken my rose colored glasses off a long time ago. And granted, it's because my team has been piss poor for 10 years. I, t- I took off my rose-colored glasses because I like my blood pressure down. And, and what I what I see with college football is that I, I, time and time again, I complain about Ohio State because they're never the best team on the field for me in a lot of cases, but they know how to win. And I that's what my fear is for November 24th, is they're not going to be the best team on the field by far. They're not going to be. But will they find a way to win? I, I really hope not this season because that would just be one of the biggest letdowns ever. And then everybody will come out of the woodwork talking about that Michigan was pretenders, and they're not. They they are a college football contender this year, college football playoff contender. They deserve to be there, and they sh- if they play up to what they're supposed to play, it's going to be a great first round matchup against Alabama. I'm telling you, I hope we get to see it because that defense against uh, t- uh yeah I'm mean, I'm not even going to attempt this man's last name uh Tuatugalova. Tug Vialova, that's it. I, I would love to see what they could do because what has been happening, there's a blueprint out there that exactly favors Michigan. If you put pressure on that that Alabama quarterback, he struggles. Oh, Alabama, thanks for playing the Citadel this weekend. Oh, the whole SEC is playing everybody terrible this year, uh, this week. I think Georgia, I forget who Georgia has. I don't even think the, the team that's Georgia's playing is in in one double A. I mean, uh, and, and, and that FBS, FBS. An FCS yeah. team. Yeah. Man. So I guess the, here's this question. And this is just because they've taken Alabama, took a very good LSU team and made them look foolish and shut them out. Is it Alabama versus everybody else? Right. At this point. Absolutely. Until and they lose. Absolutely. And people who hate on Alabama, shame on you because if you're mad at Alabama, beat them. That's literally all you have to do is beat Alabama. Alabama isn't doing anything shady or dishonest or you know they're not doing anything underhanded they're a just they're just a better football team than the rest of the country and it's a shame that it's that way it's a shame that it's that one-sided but when we've had other sports like that when memphis john calipari had memphis like that when he had kentucky like that what did you have to do to get him off the crowd beat him and people right. started beating them and the words of the great Ric Flair, and it's true, to be the man. You, you got to beat the man. You got to beat the man. You got to beat the man. And, Woo. you know, <laughs> you know and, and all the experts right now, and, and this floored me. One of the experts that said it, Paul Feinbaum, who is an SEC, I mean, that dude is SEC's wife. I, I would say I would say much worse words, but this is a family-friendly show. I have much words for, for Paul Feinbaum. He finally said, there's a team out there that can challenge Alabama and he thinks it's the Michigan Wolverines. He really does. He thinks that Alabama will win close, but he thinks if 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 anything, if Alabama doesn't play a perfect game against Michigan, and that the playoffs were to start now, they lose that game. And I, I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear all the great press for Michigan. But to go back to your your post, 
you know, they got to get that huge gorilla monkey off their back in Ohio State. And if they don't do it, <laughs> the season was a waste. Right. I, that's how I feel. I really do. Even if Ohio State does win against Michigan, which I don't think they're going to, I think Michigan wins this year. And that Twitter account, that changes every day with how many days it's been since Ohio State lost to Michigan. That's going to go away. I really do believe that. And it's not because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to start anything or I'm just saying it to get people to listen. It's just, I believe it. I just don't think that Ohio State is the better team this year. I think they're too one-sided. If you shut down their passing game, they can't beat you because they can't run the ball consistently. And I think Michigan has a lot of strengths on offense that play to the weaknesses of Ohio State on defense. And I could see Michigan winning this game by two-plus touchdowns going away. And that's just the truth. And for me, and there's also a thing that I said a long time ago and when people were talking about we're getting Urban Meyer, this, that, and the other, I said beware of the seven-year itch because when when Urban went to Florida, everything was happy, go merry, but he didn't have to recruit those kids. He basically came to a Porsche, took the keys, and drove it. When he, things started to go bad and that Porsche needed its oil changed and its brakes fixed and it needed a tune-up, Urban Meyer scrapped it. He decided to, you know, basically fame health issues and all of a sudden go up into the, to the booth, looked at Ohio State and said, you know what? I think I'm going to go I'm gonna go take this Porsche. He went to Ohio State. He drove you guys to some national championships. We're coming up on year seven. And I told everybody this, that Urban Meyer is not a good recruiter. It's, it's showing now. I mean, right. it, it is really showing. You're, you're, you guys are looking more anemic than I've ever seen. The Ohio only chance that Ohio State has is if they can incorporate Tate Martell enough because Tate Martell is JT Bear Jr. Can be. Not yet, but he can be. But he gives them that dual threat option that they haven't had all year. Um, and you saw flashes of it against Michigan State. I don't think Michigan State was ready for some of the things that they threw at Adam with Tate Martell, but there's tape on it now, and Michigan will be ready for it. So well, Tate Martell better get rid of the ball because that defense, that defensive line comes. I, I just it, the thing about it is, is if if Tate Martell is uh, the uh, Trace McSorley, he's exactly Trace McSorley, and Trace McSorley couldn't do nothing against Michigan. So. It's it's going to be interesting because Haskins will be a sitting duck back there because he is not mobile. It's going to be interesting if you know Haskins played well against Michigan last year, so I don't know why that would be different. I mean, it's well, they didn't have any tape on him though last year. This year they have tape on him. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's scouting out there and and things like that, but it's it's a rivalry game and just all bets are off. And and you know it's in Columbus. It so this is this is. As much as it seems like Michigan is the better team, it's an uphill battle for Michigan. Michigan, I'd be surprised. Right now, the spread is Michigan 14, which I've been looking. Uh, it, it, Ohio State's giving points to Michigan, and, and I'm Michigan's surprised. Michigan's favored by two touchdowns? Right now. Right right wow. this second, Michigan is favored by two touchdowns. I didn't know touchdowns. that, and here I say they could win by two touchdowns going away. So Yeah, so it's it's come. it probably will change. The line will probably move because I if, if that, for me, it being in Columbus – I take that action. I pick Ohio State all day because I, I'm. It's in Columbus, right? So, <coughs> but like you know, like people have said, we've got to <coughs> see it play out on the field. Um, but I would like to see, even if it means you know Ohio State loses this year, I want to see what what they can do because, um, you know, when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, I, I root for a team that's in the Big Ten. So when that conference is on the national sp- spotlight. 
I'm going to root for that team because it's good for the conference. If it's good for the conference, it's good for me. And I'm a Big Ten guy. I've always been a Big Ten guy. So I'll root for that Big Ten team in those big games, and I have no problem saying that. And I'm okay with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it. I think a lot of Ohio State fans have, have, have seen it. You're not the only one that said that, you know, Michigan is gonna is gonna wax the floor with Ohio State, but I think a lot of there was a lot of hurt feelings with the way right. Michigan, uh, the way Ohio State's playing this year. I think a, a lot of people, you guys have been spoiled. I I have to say that you guys have legit been spoiled on on these past 20, 25 years of, of the dominance that Ohio State has been. So you guys can tell when there's a stinker on the field. This is not. This is not the Ohio States that have won you guys national championships on the field right now. Well, credit to the committee. They've shown it, too. They're not impressed with Ohio They're not State. impressed with them at all. They're 10th. Uh, they're, now, Paul Feinbaum and others have said that if, if Ohio State beats Michigan and then wins the Big Ten championship, they would put them in. I, I, Paul Feinbaum is one of the voters, and he even said that he could see Ohio State, if they beat Michigan, being in that, that four. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous, but... I, whatever they'll you know, get crushed. It's it's what I've come to expect. Alabama. I mean, Alabama could very well shut out Ohio State. And Ohio State could go to two consent or two uh, you know Final Four games in the last three years and get shut out in both of them. Yeah, but here's the thing: Ohio State's undefeated when they back into the playoffs. Don't tell me that. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> let's talk a little NBA. I'm still on my NBA sabbatical, but there's a couple things that caught my attention. The Cavs are still awful. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't expecting to see that <laughs> at all. So that's why that's funny to me because yes, they they are absolutely one hundred percent terrible, and it further makes me tell my. This is why I told you to get LeBron James off your list because it is Dan Gilbert's fault. He took this one in twelve team, one in eleven or one in twelve team doesn't matter. It's all terrible. He took this team kicking and screaming to the NBA Finals last year. No one's left besides LeBron James. Nobody else left. So don't tell me anything about this is LeBron James' fault. He took a this team kicking and screaming to the NBA Finals, and Dan Gilbert didn't try one bit to upgrade this team. And now we're 1-11. So, yep. I can't add anything to that. Uh, speaking of LeBron, did you see uh, the video of him playing defense last night in the regular season? No. Guy drove right by him. He stuck his leg out to try to stop him. Didn't move his body. Guy stuck his damn leg out. To so, try to that's, that's literally church basketball. He, no, he ain't playing no defense in the regular season, and he's saving it for when they if they get to the playoffs. You, you know, but that's all. That's that's the media, and that's that's the fans' fault because this man played his heart out season after season after season, and then when he disappeared in the finals, they'd be like, "Oh, he well, he disappeared in the finals." It's like how. Godly, do you think this man is? Well, you can't play. You can't play no defense all season and expect to turn it on and play good defense. Please, Come we're on. talking about LeBron James. I, I, I saw it last year. I don't think he played good defense at any point last season. No, he didn't play great defense in the playoffs, but he played good defense. We could argue this for an hour, so I'm just going to go ahead and go <laughs> with it. Carmelo Anthony's time with the Rockets is ending. Do you think he could get bought out and sent packing to potentially sign with his buddy? In LA with the Lakers. Oh gosh, I hope not. For LeBron's sake, I hope not because Le- Carmelo Anthony is the black plague to NBA uh, NBA teams. He is a ball stopper, and he is he ended up being one of the more overrated players ever. I'm not gonna go as far to say that he was a bust because he's done the he's done his thing. But as far as being one of the highly touted players in that draft, he is not great at all. 
just 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 been a disappointment. And since my skin's starting to itch talking about the NBA, is it still the Warriors versus everybody? Absolutely. Okay, next. <laughs> Let's talk some tribe. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So since the last time you and I have uh, done a show, it's come out, obviously, that uh, the Indians rank in the bottom third of the league in attendance and had the highest payroll in team history, and they don't think they can continue that trend. Obviously, as we've seen, Brantley's leaving, Allen's leaving, Miller's leaving, Chisholm's leaving, which that's fine. He's hurt all the time anyway, amongst others. And they're talking about potentially trading Kluber, Carrasco, or both. You're my baseball guy. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are the season is too long. And I tell my all my baseball friends that all the time, and we argue because they're like, old man get off my lawn baseball fanatics that they're like no the season is perfect 162 is why the season why the why the attendance struggles it's not anything that's on the field it's i've got a i've got 81 chances to go see the indians where i only have 16 no i'm sorry i apologize i only have eight chances to go see the browns i need to get there you know what i mean that's right. 82 you have 81 chances to go see the indians you know what? If I decide that tonight I feel like watching The Walking Dead and I'm not going to the Indians game, I can go tomorrow. That's, that's literally what, what it is. There's too right. much going on outside of baseball that causes people to miss these games. Yes, but to the Dolan's credit, they spent money when they, you know, the famous thing, well, when, the Indi- when you guys come and the Indians are good, we'll spend the money. Well, they didn't wait for the people that came. The Indians got good. They got a legit manager. Credit to them, they spent money. And I'm, I'm one to blame because I haven't been to a game in two years just because life happens. Um, and I'm certainly not going to go out there and tell people how to spend their money. But the Indians do make it affordable. I think we as fans need to do a better job in getting down there to some of these non-marquee games and get, get those numbers in there. Because being a small market team, every dollar that comes in is saved and used to potentially make this team better. They, they don't print money like the Yankees do or the Red Sox do and the Cubs do and some of these bigger market teams like the Dodgers. They take advantage. Attendance is a big part of what they use to pay players sure. every year. So I think next year, TriFans, we've got to step up. You've got the best manager in baseball. You've got a team that's won the most games in the American League over the last three or four seasons, and we're in the bottom third in, in attendance. I, to me, I just, it, to me as a fan, and I, like I said, I got to get down there. I, I'm just as much to blame because I've only, I haven't been down there since I got those 27 games for my 30th birthday. Um, or I went to one game the year that they the cat, that they lost to the Cubs. But, you know, the Dolans have done their part, but I kind of think that the fans have kind of let them down um, as far as, you know, getting there and, and putting money into the product. I mean, the Indians make it more than affordable to go to some of these games, especially in the cold weather months. Yeah, and, and I agree that it's, it's an affordable thing to do. It's just too much. And when I say too much, there's just too much opportunity. So I know people that went to 20 games – this year, and that's still blip on an 80, 81 game schedule. Right, uh, so but that's twenty. That's twenty games that they spent money down there on tickets, concessions, and other things. Right, to put towards the payroll. I just think there's it's it, it, it's the sport itself, and it's it's the the amount of games itself that people have a hard time doing. Mind you, I love going to Indians games because it becomes a you know a world's largest cocktail cocktail party with me. You right. know, like we go there with the work. And we go out there, we throw a lot of drinks back, and we have a good time, and we look up at the scoreboard every now and then to see what the Indians are doing and go back to socializing. I love doing that with the Indians, uh, you know. And- see, me when I go to the game, people are talking. No offense, I'm just like, 
get the hell away from me because I'm watching the game. Right. <laughs> I mean, but I've never gone down there, had a few drinks, and socialized either. Well, my mindset's always been, I'm going down to support my team. I'm going to be invested in the game, and you know. But you know, just getting there and throwing a few back—that's what they need. Even if you're only paying attention to the scoreboard once in a while, right. that's what they need. And half the time they're letting you in and giving you your first drink. Yeah, get, and, get the hell down there. And and that's the best buy in in all sports. And for me, that section is always packed uh, with with people our age. A lot is you know the the standing room. The districts are always packed because they're an affordable ticket. You know, it's like you're sitting on the couch. You come home from work. There's nothing to do tonight. Let's go see the Indians game. That's great. It's just people that it's those expensive seats that people are like, I got. I got other other things I want to do rather than spend 60 bucks to sit in those seats. And that's why attendance is struggling. It's, you know what? I've seen it all over baseball because I've been to a couple of other places where, uh, you know, they had fields because the Braves, they had sparse crowds too. And they, they, you know, for them, the one thing that I, you know, we're the bottom third of attendance, which surprises me, but we shouldn't be where in a city like Atlanta, they have a whole bunch of other stuff to do than watch baseball games. So for them to have higher attendance shocks me, but that was the same problem in Atlanta was that there's just too many games for us to go to. So when, when, when you, when you say, Oh, well, I'm going to get to a Braves game this year, you have a good chance to do it. And if you get to one, you feel like you've done your job and that's it, you know, but I agree with you. The fans need to, to step it up. But what, what what it is is the fact that there's just too many games and there's too much things to do. There's just way too many distractions outside of this. It's it's different from what it was in the 90s where there wasn't much to do outside of going to the baseball game. That was the thing to do. Right. You know, you didn't well, have... Well, that team is just as good, if not better, than the teams of the 90s, but we're still not getting the response from the people. Baseball's struggling all over. If you, I mean, you can watch any game. The only games I ever see that are packed is if they're at Wrigley, they're at Boston, or they're at Yankee Stadium. Well, they're, they they tailgate for every game. It's an 82-game tailgate for the radio one team tailgate at Wrigley Field. Those guys, go, those people go and lit as Christmas trees every day. And there's also there's the, the thing about also is is that with baseball games, is that there's things to do outside of the baseball game as well. You know, it's also a detriment to have things around the stadium to do that, like the bars. Uh, you know, people could go to Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the game and spend money there, which they would spend less in the stadium. That's another thing that t- deters people is because. You know, I spend 15 bucks to get in the stadium, but I also got to spend 15 bucks on this beer when I, I can just sit at home and get this $15 case of beer and watch the Indians play. Right, watch you know? the Indians play for a whole week or a few exactly. days. Exactly. It's right. It, it's it's got to be, there's got to be a healthy balance. And it's, it, right now, what the problem is, is we have, we have a discourse between what money is available and what the, the actual product is. Uh, demand is because we've got Bryce Harper act- asking for a three hundred million dollar paycheck, but we don't watch baseball like we used to. Like right. the, 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 you're asking for an astronomical amount of money, well, where's that money going to come from? Because you certainly, if you know, you certainly not going to get it unless you go to the Yankees because that's the only team that can afford it because they sell out the stadium. Right. But if you decide to go to uh, a smaller market team like coming to the Indians or going to the Braves, you you're gonna kill the Braves or uh, the Indians because 
first of all, we're not going to be able to afford to go get anybody else because no one's going to come watch this product because they can watch it at home. Right. And and that's that's the, the product. What I can tell you that what remedy to this situation is what Arthur Blank did. Arthur Blank is the the owner of the Falcons. What he did was he made the reasonable price. Uh, the reasonable price concessions. There's no concession over seven dollars at, at at Mercedes Benz Zone. None. And people will spend more money if they can get more value like that. People and, will bring their whole entire family and unknowingly spend the same amount of money that they would spend when they normally come to the game. Right. Because it's cheaper. Right. You're gonna want to buy more chicken fingers and everything like that. The kids can get more things like that. But when you walk into the Indian State, uh, when you walk into Progressive Field, and you sit down, you've paid fifteen bucks to get in the stadium. That's a great buy. You got your first beer, you drink that, but you want that next beer. You walk over there and you want a good IPA. That's fifteen bucks, man. Like that's the last beer I'm drinking while I'm here. Right. <laughs> that's that's pretty much what it is. Is right. is is you out you've outclassed your demographic. Plain and simple. That's why it stays simple. I mean, that's why it stays empty. Fair enough. I, I can understand all that. Let's circle back to the Carrasco-Kluber talks. Do you think either one or both of them will get dealt before uh, we play baseball I don't think Carrasco year? will go. I think if Kluber is more likely to go than Carrasco because I think with Kluber being the powerhouse that he is, I think he could get us some extra arms in the bullpen, and I'm fine with that. I think uh, – <laughs> I, I said this to somebody the other day, and they thought I was ridiculous. I said, Kluber is a great regular season pitcher. But what good are you to me if you can't perform in the playoffs? Right. That I, I I honestly believe that in my heart of hearts. Thank you, Kluber, for everything that you've done. You, you're a Cy Young Award winning guy. But what good are me if you can't if you can't get us through in the playoffs? I need I need I arms need, that can. I need I need bullpen arms and I need a bat for Kluber too. I mean I, I need another bat because I'm losing so much offense with Brantley leaving. Um, Which is crazy that we're letting Brantley walk like that. That that hurts my feelings. More than anything, I would almost rather them see them trade Edwin Encarnacion that money and, and keep Brantley with the money you would have spent on Edwin. I, I I completely agree, especially when you have a Francisco Lindor who could get you the thirty home runs that you're looking for out of Edwin. I I completely one hundred percent agree that I would rather see Edwin Encarnacion walk than Michael Brantley walk. Right, and they're trying to extend their contention window, and I totally understand that, but. To me, there's a difference between contention. Contention in this division is easy. I mean, on paper, even if you trade away Kluber and get some stuff back and losing some of the arms you lost in your bullpen, you're still the odds-on favorite to win your division. But you were the odds-on favorite to win your division last year, and look what that got you. Contention to me is championship contention. You know, maybe that's me being a spoiled little brat with having Terry Francona here, but I don't want to contend just to contend. I want to contend for a championship. So the moves that they're going to make, this is a... A very critical offseason because clock's ticking. You got three years left with Ramirez, you got three years left with Lindor. And after that, they're gone. And at some point, if things start to fall apart, or if you contend this year and the next year, year three, if you're not in the spot that you want to be, you've got to unload those guys. As, as much as that sucks to say, but once those guys go, you're left with what? That's like that's like LeBron walking away from the Cavs. Those two guys are the equivalent of a LeBron on uh, on a baseball team. So what are you left with then? You're left being the, the Tigers, you're left being the Royals. I don't want that. I don't want to go through that again. But, um, you know, you got to extend that window, like I was saying. 
But at some point, you know, it's going to hit the Indians in the face. Man, we got to move these guys just so we can get something. Because if you don't, you're going to lose them and get nothing. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, we we should we got we got to reload our our farm system with those two guys. We really do, and and it's going to suck to see them go. Hopefully, we can keep one of them. Uh, you know, I, I really wish that we didn't live in a, in a society where players would just pretty much, be, you know, buy themselves out of a team. Right. Basically. If they can find a way to win a World Series in the next couple of years, I really think that you can keep one of them. You can't keep both, but you'll be able to keep one of them. I think if you win a World Series, I think you keep both of them because my, my feeling is... is The is, Players Union will never let it happen. Never, because the Indians won't be able to spend that kind of money. The Players Union won't let those guys sign for any less than what they're worth. Because that's baseball. What, what they're worth, yeah. But to, to me, you know, I think we have enough... You know, depending on what price they ask, if they're asking for a Bryce Harper contract, which I think Lindor is more deserving than Bryce Harper for his that three hundred million dollar contract, if they if they ask for something like that, then no, we can't keep them. But if they stay within the ninety million range, we we can keep them. Ninety million for how long? I don't know for the next seven three years, years, four years. I would say four to five. Yeah, but they're talking Lindor could could be asking for anywhere from three to five hundred million dollars. In three years. And he deserves it. I, I, I think he deserves it. And At what point is too much, too much? Five hundred, a half a so, billion dollars for a baseball player? What, what point was too much was when Alex Rodriguez signed that $291 million contract. That was too much. That At that point, I knew we, we were out of our minds in baseball. And I knew baseball was going to die when those contracts got that way because at the end of the day, First of all, no one yet has lived up to their contract that they've signed. Not yet. Not for the full term of it. Not not, no. not even for a bit. Uh, A-Rod, he had some flashes of greatness, but he wasn't a $291 million player. Albert Pujols wasn't uh, the... Giancarlo Stanton took he, a step back this year in a park where he should have hit more home oh runs than he did gosh. in Yeah, he looked like he had never hit a baseball in life. Uh, and Bryce Harper won't be that either. Bryce Harper might be the one person that I could say that will come close to being worth what he's paid. But Well, that's because he's young enough to where if he signs a 10-year deal, he's exactly. only going to be 35, 36. He'll still be able to produce at a pretty decent level at that point. But mark my words, by the time that, 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 that contract is up or we're somewhere in the middle of it, they'll be talking about, man, he wasn't worth the money. They do it to every single person, every single person, you know. And and that's the problem is is these guys are getting paid for what they did and not what they're gonna do and that's what makes it sad. Right. And that's what makes it sad with baseball. All right. So let's uh, just talk a quick couple of uh, tidbits, news, notes. Uh, WWE. What were your overall thoughts on Crown Jewel? Didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. But uh, I did have a moment for you, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was thumbing around on Twitter. And uh, we had this discussion about, uh, you know, why go with the terrible things that happened in that country. And uh, there was a moment on Twitter where a girl, uh, Seth Rollins actually retweeted, a girl was basically saying, I waited all my life to do this, is say burn it down when Seth Rollins comes out. And I said, this is what I needed to tell Terry. Because this girl basically was saying, I waited all my life to see this guy in person. This is why the WWE goes. That's why. Because it's more than that country being terrible. It's about the fans and it's about the citizens who did nothing wrong and just want to see their favorite wrestler. Right. And the more I thought about it, the more I, you know, I, I kind of, you know, went with that. Um, I'm just curious. I haven't looked at it. Um, 
So, but what is the stock price? They're they're doing just fine. Their their stock is as high as I've ever seen at sixty seven dollars and forty cents a share. And I'll tell you why, because the American consumer doesn't have a moral compass. That's that's true. And just I'm like, not saying that to be on a soapbox, ladies and gentlemen out there. No. It's because we don't we don't boycott what we don't like. We still go back uh, We're too on our forgiving hands and knees. as a society. Yes. Yep. On our hands and knees. As much as I've complained about WWE, today is Monday. And when 9 o'clock hits, I will be starting the DVR watching my Monday Night Raw like I do every week and turn it off disappointed as I always do because it just ended It just ended with crap. Mind you, their storyline with Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose is kind of heating up for me. I kind of like that. Right. But uh, as far as Crown Jewel goes, to go back to your question, didn't like it. Um, Did you see... Uh, Brock Lesnar and that Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman match, again, has the potential to be... The the, immo- the irresistible force meeting the immovable object, and they continue to sandbag for that fool Brock Lesnar. Well, a lot of it too is um, if you, I guess they, they showed Strowman like people videotaped him walking down to the ring. He's more working on two bum knees. The guy can barely stand up, and they keep running him out there because everyone's hurt. You know, Roman's you know has leukemia. Um, that was more of a squash match to protect him. Yeah. More than it was for Brock Lesnar because I think their plan the entire time was to keep the belt on Roman, but you can't put a belt on a guy who can barely walk to the ring. And I agree with that. Yeah, you know he's a big dude and he's suffering from exactly what every big dude suffers is that your ligaments are going to fail you every once in a while, especially when you're that big and athletic and you're running around the ring. You're not supposed to be that big and athletic and be able to run around. Your the body ring. wasn't meant to do. Yeah, wasn't designed to do what he's doing, especially at his size. Right, Braun Strowman's a freak of nature, and it's gonna—he's gonna get chopped down just like uh, Andre the Giant did. Uh, the way Kane looks, you know, that was my my biggest beef too, is because like Kane and the Undertaker, they look old, man. Like well, Triple H tore his pec. Did you see the picture of his torn pack the next day? It was his entire bicep, and it looked like he just had a blood pocket sitting in his shoulders. Oh, my gosh. Triple H is the most injury-prone dude I've ever seen in wrestling ever. Right. Like, he gets muscles ripped off the bone. <laughs> I right. love when they say that. When they get muscles ripped off the bone left and right. I'm like, gosh, man. Like, Triple H, sit down somewhere, man. Like, How does Shawn Michaels look? Because I didn't see... You know, Shawn Michaels look like he could still go. He really does. He's still a showstopper. He's straight away from some of his normal Shawn Michael type showstopper moves, mm-hmm. but he still looked like he could go. I was shocked because they're both in their mid fifties too. What's crazy is you what people might not know: Shawn Michaels and Triple H are older than Kane and the Undertaker. No, Triple H is only forty eight. Nah, they were born in the both. I think both of them were born in the fifties. No, Triple H was no. He Triple H was I reading there? Was I reading the Tombstone wrong, man? Hey, let me hang on. So the, I, I thought the tombstone said the fifties on it. Is it sixty four or fifty? Triple H is forty nine years old. Okay. Undertaker's fifty three. Okay, I thought that Shawn Michaels is fifty three. Wow, Cradle Robber H H H forty nine. Good old Steph's only forty two. It wasn't that bad. That's not a bad. That's not. That's not a bad uh, <laughs> separation. Uh, I had the biggest crush on her growing up. She's oh, she's, she's cute. She's she's not cute anymore, but she was cute. Um, I actually thought they were older because I read their. I might have read their tombstones wrong when they were doing the vignette with them right. and the thing. I thought it said fifty four. I was like, man, they, them dudes in their fifties and still wrestling. Man, go somewhere, sit down somewhere. Kane's fifty one. Yeah, so H H H is the the youngest, but I mean he's forty nine. So, um, do you have? Uh, there's rumors swirling that if WWE can't get uh, 
Rock to commit to a, a match at WrestleMania. That Rousey versus Charlotte Flair is going to main event WrestleMania 35. It will close the show. And I love that idea because I think they both deserve it. I love watching Charlotte Flair. She is fantastic at what she does. Crown Jewel was stolen by Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. By, by far. That was by far the best match of the Evolution, night. you mean? Because none of the girls competed. I'm sorry. This was... Yes, Evolution. I apologize. Yeah. I was uh, thinking that they were there. My wife did bring it up that... Uh, do you think that they ran Evolution to basically spit in the face of the country for them not allowing? I actually kind of do. You make it all women's pay-per-view to kind of say, you know what, these women can do it, and you guys need to give them a chance at your in your country. Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch at Evolution stole the show. They put their bodies through. No, I had nothing I had seen female wrestlers do before, and Charlotte really put herself through some pain. She is the best women's wrestler of all time. I'll say it. Best women's wrestler of all time. And she basically carried Becky Lynch through this. Even though Becky Lynch doesn't need to be carried, she is making that rivalry. Becky Lynch's mouth is making the rivalry. Charlotte Flair's athleticism is making that rivalry. It's it's, it's a great, great show. And I tune in to watch them more than I do the men now. Right. And I would be completely okay with them main eventing it because the names involved, Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, two of the biggest names in the industry, highlighting... You know your that your your biggest show of the year. I think that's the way it should be. If you're gonna if you're not gonna have the WWE title in the main event, then at least have a title of some significance in uh, the main event. And the only thing, I, the other question I have for you is if they do get Rock to come, obviously you know he's gonna face Brock for the Universal Title. Any interest in seeing that? If no, they get the belt off Brock Lesnar, no, because Rock is a part timer too. I, it's time for them to put the belt on someone who can. It's it, it's about time they put the belt on someone who's there all the time, and they've hit an unfortunate string of injuries and illness right now, where they lost Kevin Owens, uh, they lost Roman Reigns. In my opinion, it's either time to go back to uh, Seth Rollins or it's time to put it on Dean Ambrose as a villain. It really is time to give one of those those guys who are there all the time a chance. I love The Rock. Uh, I loved his title reign, his last one, because uh, it was great. It was great to see, especially against CM Punk. Right. I, I loved it. Well, they're talking about this one being like a retirement thing where they could induct him into the Hall of Fame. He wins the championship, carries it to the next Saudi Arabia show, drops it again to whoever. It better not be Brock Lesnar. I be the thing about it is, is I'm I'm more interested in it than Brock Lesnar now. Brock Lesnar is the Ohio State Buckeyes of WWE. He backs his way into the title every time. He's not even that man. Like he's <laughs> he is he is such trash to me. He is such a trash champion. Uh, his the stick with Paul Heyman is old old for me. Everything about Brock Lesnar is old to me. He's he's not wrestling matches where I think man he's the most powerful dude in the in the WWE. He's just He's wrestling matches for me to think, oh, well, they're they're going to try to make Brock Lesnar be all beefy so he's not going to be touched. And then you put Braun Strowman in there and you throw Braun Strowman around the ring. It's like, well, who can beat this guy? You know, it's just, right. it's stupid to me. You know, I, I was mad that Undertaker gave his streak to Brock Lesnar. I, I'll never forgive that. I, I hate that, that Brock Lesnar gave that. But they needed that to make Brock Lesnar basically immortal. Right, they to make him the ultimate heel. They made it. They needed that. But now it, it has literally ran its course. And everybody, you can see it. Everybody's like, whatever. You know, when Brock Lesnar walks out there, it's just like, whatever, it's Brock Lesnar. The only thing I'm buying into right now is if 
if he's going to carry that title, go face Daniel Cormier and get that WC, w, uh, WCW. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, go get that UFC championship from Cormier Daniel Cormier. Cormier would destroy Brock Lesnar right now. Brock's been out of it. His illness, and, his, and I'm saying this, his illnesses that he suffered, he's not the athlete that he once was. He'll never be the athlete that he was. I think him going back, he's going to get embarrassed, and I just I don't see it working out well for him. I just don't. And that's just... And that's not my hatred for Brock Lesnar. That's just me taking in, into account everything that I see. I'll give you Brock Lesnar's size and 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 uh, ruthlessness. That would give me the one up over Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier is a more accomplished dude by far. He looks untouchable. And Why hasn't Stipe gotten his rematch yet? What the hell's going on with Dana White there? I think Stipe's taking a break right now. Uh, He's been Twitter. asking for a rematch. Dana White won't even talk to him. I, I think Stipe's is is is. Uh, still taking a break. I, I don't think he's going to come back until he gets the rematch, but I don't think Dana, uh, Dana White's going to let Stipe just walk in and get the title. I really don't. Right. I think Stipe has to fight another match because he got embarrassed. I really think he got embarrassed by Daniel Cormier. That's what. That's why Dana White doesn't want to see it because it, uh, Daniel Cormier was was technical. I mean, he was Yeah, surgical. but for the guy who let CM Punk walk into a UFC ring twice, I think you can give your... The guy who defended the title more than anybody else, another shot at it. You also want to, you want the hype behind it. And I don't think Stipe creates the hype. Uh, he only creates the hype in Cleveland, but not anywhere else. Right. Uh, you know, you know, Dana White, he's a promoter, so there's not much hype for a Stipe Daniel Cormier because I think he will go the same way it went last time, where he knocks him out. I really do, or right. or taps him. You actually knock out. I'll go with knock out. Go with knock out. So you, you start raw at 9 o'clock. Huh? It starts at 8, but you started at 9 and just be able to fast forward through the commercials. Yeah, sometimes I get a spoiler alert from some guy every now and then. But uh, I know. try not to do that. I'll ask you, are you watching? <laughs> Did you see this segment yet? And I try not to spoil it. And you're like, no. I'm like, okay, good. Let me know when you get there. <laughs> that way I don't spoil it for you. <laughs> Yeah, usually I get a spoiler alert, so that normally what makes me turn it on before you said any more spoilers. But uh, yeah, I normally start raw about nine nine thirty, and I usually fast forward until I see something good. Right. That's my that's my my SmackDown Raw TV watching. Um, I'll watch SmackDown for two full hours. I mean, I I like SmackDown's product. I like Miz. I like I like their uh, matches. Brian. I like AJ Styles. I, I like their Rusev. matches are better. Yeah, their, their matches are way better. Um. Just wait till SmackDown goes to Fox. They're gonna make them not do this comedy garbage that they do on Raw, and and things like that. They're going the, to make SmackDown a wrestling show, and I'm excited about that. The last week we had we had something I didn't even think of, but we had Rey Mysterio versus uh, Andre CM Almos. Whew! Two luchadors going at it. That was fire to me. That that I loved every minute of it, and that's why SmackDown is getting my nod right now because. They have the better product. They have the better wrestling. They they don't waste time telling nonsense stories and nonsense pitches here and there. They get they get it in and, and get it over with, and it's all about the wrestling. Right. So and I and that's what I like about it too. All right. So let's uh, let's wrap this bad boy up here. So next week the what am I, what the hell are we going to talk about? Because the Browns are on by. Well, it's Thanksgiving, and uh, that's true. Yeah. We could wrap we could wrap it up and, and tell everybody happy holidays. Um, we won't have much to talk about except for the uh, the week eleven matchups. That's pretty much. Yeah, it. we'll talk about that. We'll find some other stuff too. I'm sure there'll be some geek stuff we'll we'll need to get into. Um, some movies are out that we need to go see. So maybe we should just go see some movies and do some movie recaps. That'd be fun. 
Sounds like fun. We'll figure out a way to uh, keep you guys entertained as we always do. Again, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. Happy Veterans Day to all you veterans out there again. Thank you so much for all that you do. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you next week. Have a good week.